Welcome back, learners and learn it alike to help teach. Hello and welcome as usual to our community audio project. I am your host, editor, producer, and project co-lead, Mihai Kovasser. I'm also a youth living with a physical disability. My most formative experiences living with a disability have come in the Canadian public education system. Many students like me with physical, emotional, or mental challenges go through their years of schooling lacking the supports and accommodations they need to partake of the same opportunities offered to their peers. The vision of this project is to provide educators in Canadian classrooms, students with disabilities, and members of the general public with the tools and knowledge that they need to make our institutions more accessible and inclusive for all. Join me and a diverse cast of guests as we explore perspectives on disabilities in education in this podcast series. And before I offer my usual last message, I wanted to add that this episode 12 of the show will mark the end of season one. Since we're coming into a new year, I would love to take this opportunity to end off season one with another wonderful guest and another of my contacts from the Rick Hansen Foundation. And then next season, we'll kick it off with some new guests, some new opportunities and some new ways to get involved. So I want to just offer a huge thank you to everyone who has tuned into the show so far and to everyone who has supported me in making this project a reality. I really hope that you'll stick around for the great stories that we'll have for the rest of this new year. With that being said, one last message for you teachers tuning in. Listen in each episode for our key takeaway that you can implement in your classroom today to help us further this vision. My guest for today is one of the two newest members of the Youth Leadership Committee, of which I am the chair under the Rick Hansen Foundation, and a passionate para-athlete with a vision for change in post-secondary institutions. This is a guest with whom I've had the wonderful opportunity to speak many times in the past, and I'm just so thankful that he came on the show. So I'd love to welcome, without further ado, for our discussion today, James Kuneki. Welcome to the show, James. Thank you, Mihai. Thank you for the introduction and uh, really happy to be on the show. So first and foremost, as I like to do with all of my new guests, could you please just start by telling us a little bit about you, maybe where you're from, what you're currently doing, some of your interests, anything like that? Yeah, 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 of course. Uh, so I currently live in Victoria, British Columbia. I'm uh, studying sociology and uh, social justice at the University of Victoria and currently participate on the national para rowing team here in uh, Canada as as a, as a as a visually impaired athlete and and yeah I've uh, I've taken quite an interest in advocacy and just like just trying to give back to the community as somebody who's a bit a bit more mature in in para sport I see the power of uh, para para sport and just the participation and I really want want to see the rest of the community be, be be a little bit more like inclusive in it. So absolutely. Yeah. That's great to hear. So James, for our audience that may not have a lot of knowledge on how various uh, visual impairments or visual disabilities might come about, I was hoping maybe would you tell us a little bit about how and when you came to have your disability and maybe what other visually impaired disabilities might look like just a, a couple just to give our audience some context. Yeah, so it is such a spectrum. Most people would have no like real 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 idea when I say that I'm I'm blind or legally blind, they immediately think that I can't see anything at all, and which is not really the case what whatsoever. 
Uh, my my sight loss journey sort of began at a at a weird age of age 21, and I was sort of working like full time already at, the, at at like the time, and had to stop stop working due to safety concerns, and really had to forge an, a new path in life. I mean, I was di- diagnosed uh, like with with a rare hereditary disease called called Leber's, and really just like face central vision loss within mm-hmm. with, within the matter of months through the summer of 2016. So yeah, like like I said, my my vision loss is central vision loss where I have a blind spot in the center of my vision with still still a large amount of field of view left, just 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 no like acuity. And many other people could could potentially lose lose their vision and sort of see through like the pinhole. So they only have their central vision loss. I mean, they 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 only have have their central vision, so it's it's quite a spectrum. And even people who I know with my eye disease that I've I've met sort of experience it completely different than, mm-hmm. than I do as well. So, yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I I appreciate it when you know you and other guests are able to just give us some information on that because I know that as someone with cerebral palsy, for example, I always have an interesting time explaining to people why you know i for example can't use my arms or i can talk and but i just can't walk very well whereas other people are in a wheelchair it can be a very wide as you say spectrum of of disabilities and that just contributes to how complicated it is to get proper accessibility right mhm yeah like i could potentially you know leave my white cane at at home i don't really need a guide dog so i i could walk around with an invisible disability and i have done that in like the past and society just treats me so much different when I just pull out the white cane. At first it was difficult. Um, but when I, when I began to use the, the, the white, my, my white cane more, just, just to give like a bit of a head, like, like heads up to people around me though, like the, the world just treated me so much better. And there was just so much more like, like accommodations around me, which Interesting. was really, well, really good for my self-esteem. Wow. Yeah. Well, we'll get into that discussion just shortly here. Before we do, I would love to ask you a little more about your interest in para sport too. So why don't mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit, uh, what what sports have you done, for example, and how has that experience been for you? So yeah, I mean, para, para, para sport has really just given me like, like an outlet to like community mm-hmm. and just so many new uh, connections. I mean, I started playing blind baseball like a year after losing my vision and I, it was really just a great opportunity for me to play a game again and just experience what it is like to like win and lose and mm-hmm. have, have some really good team like community. Mm-hmm. And it sort of like paved the way for me to just stay active and stay, stay, like just stay involved in different things. And I, I've done other para sports such as tandem cycling. And then that sort of led me to para, para rowing where. Awesome. Now I I participate in that full time at at the national level and I've gotten to compete inter- internationally a few times and currently have have hopes to go to the Paralympics in 2024. That's spectacular. Yes, everyone, watch out for James Kodeki's name on the next Canada National Paralympic Championship. There, that that would be something to see. Best of luck with that. You told me as well that rowing was something that motivated you to get back into or more into education as well right can you tell us a bit about your your education journey and how those are related yeah so like i said like when i lost my vision i was 21 and i really had to forge a whole new path in Mm. in in life and i know i was really stuck in a few crossroads and like what do i do next and 
when I got into Parasport, it was an awesome opportunity. And I was just lucky enough that the that rowing rowing Canada had uh, had partnerships across the countries at the at the at the local universities. So after meeting the coaches at Brock University in Southern Ontario, they they like essentially convinced me just to take 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 some courses and just sort of better my knowledge and just like like expand the way the way that I think and it, it could also potentially help me develop as like an athlete mm-hmm. as well. So I think it was a it was a great opportunity for for me to start and then it sort of led me to move move to Victoria where the national uh, rowing team trains year round and then I was able to transfer all my credits at, at Brock and come to UVic where I've I've had to experience a new way of learning as 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 well so it's been an awesome experience. And as part of your journey at UVic, you were telling me about some research that you were doing uh, into Braille. Is that right? Yeah, really. I mean, Braille is very interesting because, like I said, when I lost my vision, I didn't know what to do. I was like, what resources are out there? And immediately the first thing I learned was my my Apple iPhone, where it has a built-in screen reader that I was able to use, able to access my phone, like again, the way I, I was able to before. Mm-hmm. And I was interested in, in Braille at, 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 at that time, but there wasn't really any, anywhere for me to go to learn Braille. And I know in like Canada, it's really, you gotta be in the right right place at the right time or have some really good good connections with like a private lesson to learn, learn Braille. And I mean, after writing this like paper this past semester, it gave me like another sense into like, is Braille even going to be that uh, useful? And does society need to, to shift a bit, a bit more to like recognize the power of assistive technology? Just right. in the fact that technology is becoming so much more like accessible and is easier to use. Absolutely. Well, that is actually a great point of transition here to what I want to talk about next. But just before we get there, don't go anywhere, audience members. We're just going to take a short pause here before moving on to a discussion about exactly this, what it's like to get into the world of disability at a later stage in life and the kinds of attitudes and resources with which you are faced as a result of that as compared to growing up with a disability. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Help Teach. I'm here today speaking to a fellow youth leader and a connection of mine, James Kwinecki. And we were just getting into this discussion about Braille and assistive technology, but also you mentioned that you got your disability at the age of 21. I actually don't know the statistics on this, whether or not it's more or less common to get a disability later or sooner, but regardless, it is a very different experience for yours as compared to mine, for example, having grown up with a disability. So I just want to open the discussion there. What was it like to become vision impaired at 21? How has that experience been for you in kind of in a nutshell? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a roller coaster. Like I said, the first year after losing my vision, it was like, it was a rough, rough time. I mean, I still had enough vision where I could, you know, get around somewhat okay, but Really, it was just coming to terms with 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 my sight loss sort of helped me pave pave the way for like a new life, and it is just giving me so many new opportunities and a whole new like perspective on the world, and and people who live with disabilities, 
And I would think when I mean, losing my vision at a at a mature age kind of gave me a bit more of a of a mature like perspective on it. And don't don't get me wrong, I was it was rough, but uh I was able to move move past it. And although it might seem old to you, um it's like 21 is still very young so i've got a long long life ahead of me <laughs> absolutely absolutely don't don't get me wrong <laughs> i'm not calling you old <laughs> of course i have a as you know a 19 year old myself i have a bit of a different perspective on it but nonetheless yeah you're you're right i think you never quite in my experience anyway get fully accustomed to living with a disability in the sense that just like anyone else who doesn't live with a disability, life will always present you with new technologies, new barriers, new challenges, new ways of living and learning, right? And so regardless, you know, of how long you've had, so to speak, to get accustomed to a disability, it's it's not quite like that, right? I mean, there's always new things that come up. Oh, yeah. And, and I know, you know, people who have their sight, 2020 vision or able-bodied people and I use tech. I use tech technology better than them, and <laughs> um, it's just something that I've I've had to learn and I've 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 had to live with. Absolutely. And you mentioned something. If I may quote you, you mentioned something that I think is really really interesting. That the hardest part about having a disability is not the disability itself, but the fact that the world is no longer accessible to you. So mm -hmm. I was wondering if you could elaborate on that because I think that's a really powerful statement. Yeah, I mean, it's just um, many, many barriers you wouldn't even think of that 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 I like encounter now are just it's just a, it's a completely different world, especially knowing how powerful tech tech is um, in like the world and how more accessible it, it really is. It's just it can be really frustrating to know that a lot of society isn't really on like board with like implementing their technology to be fully accessible hmm. with with screen readers or with larger text or just creating a more like inclusive sort of uh, environment. Mm -hmm. I think that statement resonates with me because I've always been of the mindset that living with a disability, as much as I can possibly make it be a non-issue for myself, the better in the sense that, as you say, there are times when you know, some of us that have disabilities that don't necessarily come with visual cues, you can just walk into a room and have it be invisible, right? Until such a time as someone asks about it, or you have to interact in a certain way, whatever. I know this isn't the opinion of everyone in the community, but as much as possible, I would love to see a world where I can walk into any room in any institution and just contribute in whatever way I know I can and put my strengths forward without having that be an obstacle, right? Or a challenge in the way. I know that that's not always the, the case. I know that recently we spoke on a webinar together with a few of my other co-leads and we had a discussion about that, right? About how disability can also be a big identity feature for a lot of people. But but I think you're right. I, I agree with you personally that the world being not accessible is really the big issue more than the disability itself is. And I get, I get into whether you see it as, again, a, a medical thing, a problem, or a social thing, whether the world is actually there accessible to you. 
Yeah, I mean, exactly. And and that's exactly it when it comes to school. And like, I don't have experience in, in primary school or like high school with 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 my disability. But in, in post-secondary, you know, everything it, with living through the pandemic, we as a society, we were able to show ourselves that like we can do this online with with technology as like a hybrid model of learning. And when universities went back into face-to-face, -face, you know, there wasn't the opportunity to continue hybrid learning where if you have a disability that keeps you home or you're not able to like to be mobile, it's a huge, huge barrier um, mm. if you have to go to school face-to-face -face. and having the option to go online and submit uh, like papers online is a is a really huge op opportunity that I, I really think schools need to take advantage of. Mm. So speaking of which, what is the alternative? So we were talking a bit about this in our you know planning session, but now screen readers and technology are more powerful than ever. But before, and you mentioned this in our first half, the only option for a lot of people was something like Braille. So mm -hmm. would you explain to our audience a little bit about what that's like, how that evolution has been, and whether Braille is really a, an accessible or a feasible feature for uh, you yeah, today? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, after writing this like paper that I just just wrote, it's been on my mind a lot lately, and I think about it just in my day to day in in buildings where buildings or like even just in elevators where they don't have talking elevators yet, they just have Braille on all, all the all the buttons. I mean, in the early nineteen hundreds and through the twentieth century, Braille was the only option for for blind or or low vision to access information, and I mean technology has just taken a huge leap from just a screen reader on on like the computer to audiobooks to even now and since like 2009 uh there's been a a huge shift to this application called voiceover which which, which is an apple software built onto all apple devices and it's, it's it's essentially a screen reader built in that can read 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 every, every, everything your like cursor goes goes uh goes over so Mm. Uh, Braille has become sort of obsolete in in that sense, where there's so many resources that that go into teaching a young person or any any person Braille. That there's books, uh, teachers, and stuff, and yeah. like an iPad would cost like a fraction of that, and it's very sim simple to use. You know, mm. there's tutorials online that you can just go on YouTube, learn learn how to use the screen reader on 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 your tablet, and essentially like. We all know kids are using like tablets and you know, Chromebooks in the in their in their classrooms nowadays. And yeah. uh, I mean, a blind student wouldn't really be be singled out any anymore in learning in just learning the the like device. Yeah, that's very interesting. I want to come back to that in just a moment, but there's one other thing to to talk about this whole idea of being late to the game, so to speak. You were mentioning that to learn as you grow or to, or to have, for example, a visual impairment diagnosed at an early age and to grow up with that is a different experience than having to pick it up later. And you were talking about when Braille was still the dominant option, adults had a much more difficult time than kids with getting involved with that. Is that right? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, even the research showed that like, you know, when you're when you're an adult and you lose lose your vision, you already know your literacy skills. You don't need to learn, you know, grammar, punctuation, or spelling just because you already know it. You just you just can't can't see anymore. So you're 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 unable to read in in that that sense. But you're gonna have have to teach yourself a whole new way of taking in in 
of, of like receiving in, information. And like the research even showed that your like ability to feel through your fingers, it, it like lowers with age. So it becomes even more, more frustrating to oh. learn Braille. And then, like I said, like I face like social stigma around my my uh, disability at my age, and the research even showed showed that as well. That like people take take a long long time to come come to terms with their disability and, and to come come to terms with sight loss. It's a it's a very frustrating time, and le- learning a whole new language at at that age can be very frustrating. Hmm. And there are very few places accessible to teach you that kind of thing right outside of the actual school system and like private instructors yeah so like i said like primary school is best best practice because the public school system has those resources that that can go to like a young child that that needs needs to learn braille and they they can learn as 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 they like grow and 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 they develop in their age and then they can build their own sort of learning skills that 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 they're already learning at, at like the time and i mean across canada resources are very scarce and like i said at the being at the beginning of the interview like in my own journey i i grew up in like a pretty like like a metro city in in southern in, in southern ontario and you wouldn't think resources are are scarce for for learning braille but it it really is even across like canada it's not it's not common for somebody who's 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 at, at like a mature age to go out and learn learn Braille, mm. and there's not much much really um, like ability to have success at that. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, speaking from the experience of someone who went through the education system with a disability, it's interesting that there can be such a different perspective on it because for if you know for someone like yourself you're looking at the education system as a place that really has the potential to offer resources or to have access to certain kinds of resources and to offer them at the you know students early age whereas for me it's so i always have a perspective that's like there's never enough resources for students at that early age and so it is very interesting how those experiences can shape your perspective where there are places that the education system can very much improve and where there are places where they have some some really great options on the table that they could be implementing. Mm -hmm. Speaking of these uh, implementations in the school system, I think that takes us very nicely into our key takeaway for this episode and some options for primary school teachers to be more accessible to students with visual impairments. So you gave me a very interesting idea about an assignment alternative. I was wondering if you could share that with uh, our audience here today. Yeah, so I really think it's like it's it can be very interesting for even a, a young person, um, even 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 a teacher to understand how how screen reading softwares work and how like assistive tech tech technology works. I would really think that like a if if a if a teacher wants to like include students to like show them like a tutorial on like on like their Chromebooks or whatever tap like tablets that that the students use in in their classrooms to like turn on the accessibility features and turn on their screen reader and possibly like type out a couple sentences and then try to send it to their uh, teacher and and yeah. hand it in and see 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 how how they're they're able to in, interact with like the technology and how difficult it, it may be or how 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 easy it is you know 
Alternatively, if there is uh, little access to this kind of technology in the classroom, or if it's just not feasible to do, no problem. The other thing that I would really recommend for teachers as an optional takeaway is just to offer audio description on your visual content. If you ever show video in class or anything like that, this is basically the counterpart to captions for people that are deaf or hard of hearing. Is that right, James? Yeah, definitely. And I, I can almost guarantee you many children, even even teachers are going to be new, new to this sort of way of uh, watching a movie or like a film. And yeah, if teachers want to turn on the audio description for like a film, or even um, have, have have students try to just try to describe a film over over like a just just like just like an assignment, it could be really interesting to see what the students come up with. Absolutely. Well, it's been wonderful to talk to you on the show today, James. I really appreciate you coming out and sharing your experiences and sharing your stories. So hopefully we'll have you on again sometime. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you, Mihai. I, I really appreciate coming on. You've just heard another episode of the Community Audio Project, Help Teach. I'd like to give a huge thank you to all of my co-leads on this project, Peyton Given, Maggie Manning, Elise Doucette, and Alexis Holmgren all youth leaders at the Rick Hansen Foundation, who I'd also like to thank for their continued support in this initiative and others. I'd like to give a huge shout out to our community mentor for this project, Charles Pizzia. My name is Mihai Kavasar. I'm your host, editor, and producer for this podcast series. And this, as I mentioned, wraps up season one of Help Teach. Another huge thank you to Every Canadian Counts and their hashtag Rising Youth Initiative for getting this project off the ground in the first place and for allowing us to put our vision for change out in the community. You can now find all transcripts, episode notes, and links to other resources on the official site helpteach.transistor.fm or listen to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you have questions about the show or would like to get involved, please don't hesitate to get in touch at helpteachpodcast.com at gmail.com. There we can take your questions and answer them in future episodes. Tune in next time for more great conversations and key takeaways that you educators can implement in the classroom today to make it a more accessible and inclusive place for all. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.